Congratulations, you're listening to Podcast Rebellion. Hey everybody, welcome to Podcast Rebellion. This is Juco All-American joined by Whiskey Wednesday. We are talking uh, the <laughs> Texas A&M game and the, the win and, and wonderful win that that was. We're also going to be taking on the question of uh, these running backs at Ole Miss have been pretty special. And um, so we're going to entertain the idea of uh, hyperbolic hyperbolic approach to to one of them and, and see kind of how that works out. Uh, yeah, but first, we'll talk about what we're drinking. I, I actually uh, just finished something, but I will say what that is. Um, it is a local craft brew. I live in Austin, Texas, and uh, this brew is it's from a brewery called Adelbert's, which is spelled like it's Adelbert's. Um, but uh, it their the, the beer is called Philosophizer, and uh, it's super good. It's more malty than hoppy, I guess, um, but it, it's not short on hops. The brewery is named for the founder's uh, brother, but sadly, the brewery is actually closing at the end of this year. Um, they the landlord didn't renew the lease and is selling the property to be developed, I guess. Um, which is a big bummer because it's actually the first night I ever spent in Austin. I went to that, that brewery. So yeah, pretty sad. Yeah. That's lame to lose a good hang spot. Um, so I can't remember if I've had this on the pod yet, but I'm drinking um, a rum from Puerto Rico uh, where Juco and I visited with some some guy friends of ours a, a few years ago, right before. Yeah, I guess that was like the year before the pandemic started. Yeah. Um. Anyway, it is uh, not Bacardi, but Rom de Berlito, which uh, I don't roll my letters well enough to say it properly. I don't think, but it basically means rum of the little barrel. Uh, <laughs> uh, and it's really good. Uh, it has kind of a, an, an aged or charred oak kind of flavor like bourbon does, but it is, uh, you know, sweeter like a rum and has, you know, some of the kind of funky elements of, of rum. So it, it's a good uh, kind of gateway rum if you ever see it uh, and are interested. Yeah, nice. You're just having it on the rocks, huh? Yeah, yeah. And we had, you know, a gallon each of it while we were in Puerto Rico. Um, so I, I <laughs> have a fond place in my heart, you know. Yeah, that was definitely a fun trip. Um, but let's actually talk about the game. And as always, we'll talk about the offense first. Uh, you know, not a... I don't know. It was an awesome offensive performance in some ways and also kind of disappointing in other ways. Um, the running game was amazing. And it was not just Quinchon Duncans who was outstanding. Quinchon Duncans had 34 carries for 205 yards and a touchdown. Uh, and of course was the difference in the game. I mean, without him, it's impossible to suggest that we would have won. Yeah, really incredible effort. And, you know, some of that, uh, you know, so, so Judkins was really dominant in the first couple of games. And then as the competition got a little stiffer, he had some games that were maybe a little bit of a slowdown. 
uh, and now he's just back on it. Uh, so any any brief concerns that he wasn't as dominant as he initially looked are gone, uh, which yeah, is cool. I would say, like, I, I get where you're coming from with that, too, but he has one game with under 87 yards, and that was against Vanderbilt, uh, where he had two touchdowns. He has yeah. six 100-yard games through nine nine games, which is, you know, pretty cool. Um, yeah, but... It wasn't all Judkins. Uh, Jackson Dart was a, a terror on the ground, honestly. 17 carries for 95 yards. Um, he there, there were not many, desi- I don't even remember a single designed run uh, from him, but there were lots of passes with terrible protection that turned into uh, quick scrambles that really succeeded. I mean, you know, sometimes the... the protection wasn't terrible it's just that there wasn't anybody down the field open and so he had to make something happen and he consistently did yeah like what a quarterback he's turned into i mean we really tempered our expectations seeing how the quarterback play looked through the first like three games or so and now it's just like he's he's not putting up huge passing stats except for (laughs) randomly at vanderbilt uh But man, he just has all the throws and does everything that's asked of him. You know, occasionally has a mistake that you make if you're in your first season as a full-time starter. But like, fewer and fewer all the time. He's just been so good. It was his second highest QBR of the season uh, behind only Vanderbilt, which was crazy. Vanderbilt. Mm -hmm. For those of you who don't remember, he threw for 450 yards against Vanderbilt. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, it it was neat. Um, yeah, and then Zach Evans, uh, comes back for this game, uh, only has eight carries in the game, but makes some noise with those eight carries to the tune of 75 yards, which is a 9.4 yard per carry average and look dynamic. I mean, there were, there were two runs that he had, um, obviously the one where he ran out of bounds, or had one foot go out of bounds and then tried to sort of extend it and they, they let it continue until reviewing it. That was amazing even before he went out of bounds. Uh, but there was actually a, I can't remember if it was the third quarter or the fourth quarter. I should have actually just written in the notes. Um, there was a run he had that was not a touchdown, but set up like first and goal from the four. Uh, that was ultimately... It took like six plays for Ole Miss to get in, but there were penalties and that sort of thing. But anyway, uh, the first and goal that he set up, the run he had was like, wait, this guy's in a knee brace? Like, he just juked somebody out of his shoes, cut up field. Like, it looked like something that, you know, many NFL running backs don't do. Um, I, I think Zach Evans is just worldly, otherworldly other talented. And uh, it's a shame that he has been injured all this time. Yeah, with with him and Judkins both 100% healthy, like uh, I don't even know what that would look like because like just how do you decide <laughs> who to yeah. take off the field? Right now it's an easy decision like you, you know, play Evans as as much as his, you know, leg is comfortable playing uh and then Judkins just carries the bulk, but like man, yeah, how do you decide when you have two guys who are that good? Yeah, I mean, obviously Zach Evans would have like two runs and then motion that he needed to come off to the sideline and all that sort of stuff. But that was so helpful. I mean, look, Quinchon Duncan still had 34 carries in this game. 
Uh, but Zach Evans had eight, and that eight helps. That means that Quinchon Judkins didn't have 42, for those of you who are having trouble with the math. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, he's just, he's really good. And he's also adds uh, a nice element in the receiving game, uh, especially with the help from, he had the one long reception that he caught in the flat, and Jonathan Mingo and D- uh, Dayton Wade just laid their corners out. Uh, and made like a super easy hole for him to run through. Do you remember that? Um, I, I probably missed that one. Okay, yeah, it was uh, yeah, it was like a twenty-something yard gain, and he just caught it in the flat. Jonathan Mingo and Dayton Wade just were like, "No, it's uh, we're gonna we're gonna make sure that he has like a super huge hole to run through." It basically basically became a running play on the outside where like he had daylight. Um. It was nice. Uh, so uh, we can move on and talk about, well, actually, we should say that the pass protection was was not very good, uh, which is a running theme uh, on the year. Now, I will say, like, they have to protect way too long because the receivers have trouble getting separation. Uh, but nonetheless, it was, it was rough, which is why Jackson Dart, one of the reasons Jackson Dart has so many, had so many scrambles. Yeah, you wonder if some of that is Dart being a relatively new starter, not being as good helping the line uh, with protections and stuff like that. I mean, I don't know. Uh, Obviously, the center has something to do with that as well. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. It's something that's occurred to me is that, you know, maybe a Matt Corral uh, is able to, like, audible into some plays that will help when, when the play is obviously blitz or yeah. uh, can call shifts or things like that. You know, it's um, an interesting yeah. point. I, uh, he also has a tendency to look down the field uh, and, you know, maybe there are times when he doesn't take something quick that's there and that makes it harder for the, the pass pro to work for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, so let's let's talk about the defense. But actually, before we get there, because we usually don't talk about special teams, two things that I want to talk about special teams. One was, of course, the J.J. Pegues, uh, the fake punt where we handed it, or J.J. Pegues caught the direct snap and ran four yards for the first down. Uh, on the Ole Miss 12-ish, what were your thoughts on that call? Um... So I kind of hate the idea. Uh, I didn't actually see the play. I watched a condensed version of the game that did not have that play. Strangely. I read all. Really? Yeah. I don't know, man. It's very disappointing. Um, Wow. Yeah. It was. uh, So I watched the whole game while it was happening. um, And it was. I, I thought it was a terrible call. Um, obviously it worked. That's great. It's a good thing that it worked because if it hadn't worked, Texas A&M would have the ball in the Ole Miss like 14. Um, and it almost didn't work. They actually reviewed it and, uh, it was, it was really close. Um, yeah, I saw that. Yeah. So I, I know that everybody talks about analytics and everything, I would guess that the analytics don't suggest you should go for it on fourth and four from your, your 12 yard line. 
So yeah. I, I I imagine some someone is like, oh well, you know, uh, Lane Kiffin has a sheet that has the analytics on all these, and he's like he's beholden to it. So that's probably what. No, no, that was probably not the, the analytics. That was Absolutely he, he said it, he said in the post game actually that like he. He uh he put it all on the on the special teams coordinator whose name I don't remember uh anyway uh but he said that like they saw something in game prep that they thought it would work and I I am a believer in the idea that if you're going to fake it or if you're going to kick an onside kick that in both of those situations the best way for it to work is for them to have not think that it makes any sense for you to do it at that time. And we've seen that happen twice this season. Against Auburn, there was the onside kick that they converted when they were up. And then, you know, just now uh, in, uh, in, that, in that punt. So that's cool. And it's neat that it, it worked out. And Ole Miss got a field goal on the drive. But gosh, that was a high-risk, relatively low-reward decision. Yeah, I mean... We want a three-point game. If we punt it and and they get the yeah. field goal and we don't yeah. get the field goal, then we lose by six. No, we lose by three. Uh, <laughs> math, uh, yeah. but yeah, you know, if the, if that's even, you know, if we don't score there, then we go into overtime. Yeah, all all else staying the same. Right, right, right. All, yeah, yeah. Yeah, close game. It it, it all it all matters. Um, the other the other. Special teams point is um, Fraser Mason or Masin Mason, I think is how you say his name, uh, who's the punter. Um, he kicked a 60 plus yard punt in the fourth quarter to make Texas A&M have to try to drive 90 yards uh, on their on their final drive. And yeah, I'll take that. That was that was very welcomed and. I mean, it had to just be so deflating. Like, imagine if it was a 20-yard kick, you know, like, oh, it shanks mm-hmm. off his, his foot. Then, you know, it's a whole different game. But, yeah, as soon as it was inside the 10, it was like, well, this probably isn't going to work out for Texas A&M. And it didn't. Yeah, yeah. Um, dude is is quietly very good, I, I yeah. think. Um, and he's also, like, the size of a very big wide receiver. Uh, he's, like, 6'4", 220 uh, or something like that, like, which uh, is also kind of cool. He, he's not as big as the keg stand kicker, right? But uh, but, but uh, maybe height-wise he is. Maybe height-wise. I bet, I bet he is a better athlete, <laughs> if I had to say. <laughs> uh, coming, By the way, props to that from, guy. Like, yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I'm not at all trying to insult that guy. Like, you know... I, I, I couldn't do that when I was in college. There's no way I, I, I would have qualified for zero positions uh, on the team. Still no, there. I was rooting. I was rooting very hard for like two games where this guy is like our serviceable punter before Mason comes back. <laughs> uh, it didn't happen. Mason's great. Cool. Uh, yeah. I was, I was rooting for you, man. Sorry. I, I mean, he got some NIL money out of it, I think. So, there you go. so cool. Man. There you go. Um, so moving on to the defense. So the game starts. Texas A&M marches down the field twice and scores touchdowns. And, uh, you know, at that moment, of course, it was like, well, hmm, I guess this isn't going to work out. Uh, because it was methodical. It was Devin A-Chain just abusing them. Um, yeah, and then suddenly everything changed and they held them. Uh, it was kind of bend but don't breaky, but also like 
it wasn't like this defense relied on A&M missing field goals or something like that. Like, it just, they held them. Yeah, that was a really interesting part of this game. And, and really, it's one of the things that, I don't know, kind of makes college football interesting and frustrating to, to watch at times is, like, the way the, the oldest defense can appear and disappear and, and reappear um, has really made the season really, <laughs> I mean, confusing to watch at times. Uh, you know, because, like you said, they, they spent – the first quarter of the game or so looking completely unable to stop anything and then really firmed up for the last little bit, uh, you know, for the, you know, the middle part of the game and then gave up an embarrassingly easy touchdown late. It's like, it's really hard to figure out what they're going to look like from drive to drive. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, there is a, another podcast, uh, the Rippy rights podcast, which I enjoy, uh, had, uh, a stat this week. Uh, I don't remember the exact number, but so the the defense allowed something like 27 yards rushing in the second half, uh, which is crazy because Echain just abused them for the entire first half. Uh, and you know, in college, the the stat of rushing is weird because it negatively factors in sacks but i think there was only one sack uh on the on the game so not not a huge deal there they just stopped running it with him and when he ran it uh the defense would hold him to like two or something like that in, in on on first downs and yeah it makes a huge difference um i don't know i i just think that this defense is starting to get players back that it needs and it's going to get you know, they're going to have a whole bye week to sit out. Um, Troy Brown and Cedric Johnson, the defense is better with them. Cedric Johnson, like, he makes a huge, huge difference. Uh, I know that he hasn't put up gaudy numbers, but the line is different with him in the game. And, you know, that's that's what we need. Um, okay, so who is your player of the game? Surprise, surprise, I'm guessing. I mean, yeah, it's it's Judkins. I mean, there's yeah, it's, nothing it to talk to about that we haven't talked about. <laughs> it has to be, yeah. Uh, so that actually leads us to the to the question here, which will probably be the title of this episode: Is Quinshawn Judkins the best running back ever at Ole Miss? Uh, and before I get your take, I want to read off some stats that I I went through pouring through the records book uh, and and figured out uh, or the record book and figured out where Quinchon Judkins stands with some of these things. So his 205 yards rushing against A&M are the 10th most for an Ole Miss player ever in a game. Uh, and remember, Quinchon Judkins just turned 19. Just uh, he, on his birthday, he ran for 205 yards. Uh, these are the running backs since the 90s who have run for more than Judkins ran for in this one game. Uh, Dexter McCluster, of course, in the ten Tennessee game. Do Innocent, Brandon Bolden, Ben Jarvis Green Ellis. Deuce McAllister never ran for more than more than that. Uh, and yeah, that's that's rarefied air. Um, so through nine games, he has 1,036 yards rushing. So he has four games left because we'll have a bowl. Uh, that 1,036 rushing yards in a season 
is already the sixth most ever by an Ole Miss player. So if he didn't play another down for Ole Miss this season, he would be sixth in the single season rushing uh, rushing yards record. Uh, once again, players with more are K.O. Dotley in 1949. Shout out K.O. Dotley. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dexter, Deuce, and Ben Jarvis. So those are the only players, uh, and you know, obviously there are multiples with K.O. Dotley, uh, who, who have rushed for more. Um, the Ole Miss record for 100-yard games in a career is 14, which went to Deuce McAllister. Quinshaw Jenkins already has six through nine games. Uh, when he gets his next touchdown this season, he will tie the season record for rushing touchdowns, which is shared with Dotley, Archie Manning, Deuce McAllister, and Brandon Bolden. If he rushes for 300 more yards this season, he will be 20th all-time on career rushing yards as a freshman. Uh, now, one, one note I did have here is, so Ole Miss hasn't done a great job of keeping logs of yards per carry uh, in terms of like records. So I, I did go and peruse some of the other players and looked at their, their season stats and uh, his 5.8 yards per carry is definitely not like a, a leading thing, right? So like if we're thinking about efficiency as the sole metric and efficiency, of course, which also takes into account like the offensive line and the wide receiver threats and all that. Right. Uh, but if a, if a running back can be judged by his yards per carry exclusively, then, then he would not be, you know, in consideration for, for a top running back. 5.8 is still really good, but it's not like elite among Ole Miss running backs. Okay. So before we actually talk through the contenders, the other contenders. I I, I want to hear what your thoughts are on on Jenkins. Um, I think that it's hard to say anything nine games into someone's career, but <laughs> if he if he even remotely considered uh, continues on the same path, then absolutely, then absolutely he's the best. Uh, I mean, yeah, if he keeps this up for two more seasons, like yeah, that's a no brainer. Uh, another another angle I've thought to consider. Uh, how many oldest running backs have gone on to be uh, like primary, like three down backs in the NFL, you know, like starting running backs. I can think of Deuce McAllister end of list. Um, yeah. And so that also puts him, uh, Jordan, you know, Jordan Wilkins for, for one season, he was, uh, he was like the Colts running back. Yeah. Because of Marlon Mack's injury. Right. Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. it's been a very rare thing. And, and Judkins, like he, almost certainly would be some teams starting running back in the NFL. If he, again, if he continues on the same path. Yeah. Um, just another, you know, interesting thing to consider that the Ole Miss, you know, has had some electric running backs, but like in terms of pro production, not a ton. And, and Judkins certainly looks the part. Yeah. Um, so, so let's, let's run through these. We actually don't have much time. We do have a hard stop in just a few minutes. Um, but other people that I would be considering are Deuce McAllister, Dexter McCluster, Ben Jarvis Green Ellis, Brandon Bolden, and then a wild card that I'll talk about last. Uh, Deuce, I think that, you know, in terms of certainly NFL pedigree and us just seeing him play, we can tell that he was an amazing running back. Uh, he was picked 22nd in the draft, I think. Um, 
But at Ole Miss, you know, he, he played through an injury in a key season. Uh, he, he never missed, actually never missed a game. Um, but he, uh, you know, had a lot of nagging injuries that kind of, kind of took their toll on him and his, his ability to produce. So I would say that Deuce, like, already has been outproduced in terms of, you know, sheer yardage and that sort of thing by Judkins. Um, but it's important to note that the teams he played on were uh, – probation plagued and so you know they had terrible recruiting classes and he helped carry that those teams over and over again through uh to to bowl games uh why don't you talk about dexter yeah i mean certainly the most impressive single season as a running back that we've seen probably at Ole Miss. um maybe judkins current season not included but yeah, it's just like his game against Tennessee, the single most dominant rushing performance I have ever seen. Ever. Uh, I mean, and there's something to be said for that. And he, he carried a lot of other games, too. And again, on, oh, yeah. on a team that, I don't know, had some talent, but like the Houston Nut offense was really starting to show its limitations at that point. And Wildcats! Yeah, he just overcame all of those limitations for that season. Yeah, I think that Dexter, you can make a good case that Quinchon Judkins can't claim to already be better than Dexter McCluster. I mean, he can't claim to already be better than Deuce, but but in terms of like statistical relevance, uh, Dexter McCluster, it was only one year. I mean, as a junior, he was good, but he wasn't his senior year good. Um, but... Quinchon Judkins is also only one year because he's a freshman. So I guess, you know, we'll see how, how he, how he moves forward. Uh, but Jarvis Green Ellis, I think was a really good running back. Um, but I think that it's pretty clear that Judkins would already probably take that battle. Uh, and then Brandon Bolden had one really good junior year and at times looked really good, even like as a freshman, um, his junior season was, was pretty special. Uh, I think that Judkins is already on pace to beat him out, but, uh, you know, it's arguable. The last person on the list that I would actually make a case for is Zach Evans. Uh, And I know that if we're talking about, like, who has produced at Ole Miss, then Judkins, uh, you know, beats Zach Evans because Zach Evans has been hurt and hasn't been able to have the snap count and carry count that he needs. But uh, if we look at like advanced stats, so um, there's a website called SEC StatCat, and uh, they have a, a bunch of statistics on players. And um, Zach Evans, oh, this is not an advanced stat, but he has a higher yards per carry through the season. Um, he has a lower percentage. So a lower percentage of his yards are coming before contact, which I thought was interesting, right? Like we think of... Uh, we think of Quinshawn Judkins as this yak god, uh, yards after contact god, but Zach Evans is actually getting hit earlier and generating more more yardage after contact. His his of course that means that his yards after carry average is higher. He has a higher explosive run rate. Um, of 21% of his runs are considered explosive, which is related to to di- down and distance. Uh, he has a higher success rate, which I'm not going to get into the overall thing, but it's like on first down, do you pick up uh, X number of yards on second, second down. Do you pick up X number of yards? That sort of thing. 
Uh, he has a lower stuff rate, which I thought was interesting. And uh, he has a similar broken tackle percentage. 35.3% for Evans to 35.6% for Judkins. I would not have guessed that. Yeah, those numbers are surprising to me, but, I mean, Evans' dominance is not surprising at all. Um, it's an interesting pick. Uh, it, you know, it, it all depends on how you define greatness. Um, I, I think we're just going to be left wishing we had Zach Evans for a lot longer. Yeah. Because yeah, he's he's really really special. Yeah. Uh. One one thing that um, that did stick out in that in those advanced stats for Judkins that I thought was really interesting. Uh. They have something called gumption yards, uh, or gumption plays, which are when they're hit behind the line of scrimmage and generate at least one yard rushing. Um. So. <laughs> Quinchon Judkins, 38% of the time that he's hit behind the line at the scrimmage, he generates at least a yard rushing. 38% of the time. Like, what a crazy statistic. Uh, all right, that so... Includes, th- yeah, go ahead, sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that's fine, that's fine. We actually have to wrap up. That's going to bring us to the end. Thanks, everybody, for for joining us. And uh, next week, we'll be talking... We'll be previewing Bama, and we won't have to spend time uh, rehashing a bye weekend. <laughs> Bye, everybody. <laughs>